The last time on So Old Too, we asked the odd but necessary question, what is your favorite failure? In this episode, we are going to explore what failure can do for you. In other words, failure can be your greatest asset. Welcome to So Old Too. This is the podcast that is putting back the oxygen back into the Christian life one soul at a time. And so glad to be with you here today. This is Lou Perez. And there's a scripture that, that really is interesting. It says, For the righteous fall seven times and rises again, but the wicked stumble in times of calamity. And that when I think of failure, I think of not just for your personal success, but I mean someone who's following God. When they fail, what happens? And in this case, what has to happen for the righteous person to rise seven times is in order for the righteous person to rise seven times, they must fall seven times, which means that failure is not the end. Failure does not seal your fate. Failure cannot be avoided. The only thing you can do to prevent failure is to stop taking chances. But if you stop taking chances, then you stop living. You, you stop being. You're, you're, you're living but not alive anymore. So, in this podcast, we want to talk about the simple idea that failure can be your greatest advantage, your greatest asset in your life, if you know how to grow through it. Uh, last time we, we talked about the idea that some people, when they fail, they have a fixed mindset. In other words, uh, my fate is sealed, I can't unscramble the egg, and so I'm a failure. But then there are others who choose a growth mindset and say, you know, I blew it, I made a mistake or I got fired, or I lost this, or I failed in that area. It doesn't matter. I'm going to learn from this, and I'm going to move on, and I'm going to bounce back. That's the difference. But today, I want to talk about what failure does for you, how it is such an asset for you when you look at it through the right lens. The first thing is that failure can ignite things in you. Did you know that you, uh, your brain on failure, uh, there's some research called Your Brain on Failure, that has charted how the brain works when you get a new idea. Snapshots were taken of brains during new ideas, and they showed brain activity to look like almost like a spider spreading out its, its legs everywhere, forming new connections. In other words, when you get a new idea, after you fail, something happens in your brain, depending on how you process it. It can either look like the 4th of July when you get new ideas and you say, you know what, I'm going to learn from that horrible mistake and move on. Or you can look, it can look like something that just stopped and became stagnant. Now what's more incredible is that failure can actually trigger this explosive effect in the brain. When we fail, <clears throat> we want to get back up. There's something in us that says, you know what, this isn't the end. Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give this up. Uh, Carol Dweck, a PhD from Stanford, said, when those with growth mindsets fail, their mind becomes like a focused laser beam trying to pinpoint what went wrong and how to adapt and improve. In other words, the fixed mindset when failure hits them never enters uh, this, this focused state of, of learning. In other words, the fixed mindset is the person who fails but doesn't learn from their mistakes. They kind of stay stuck and say, well, I guess this is who I am. And they never grow through it. So they never become focused 
to try again and say, I'm going to get through this, I'm going to get over it, I'm going to break through, and I'm going to get the victory on the other end. It's interesting that King David in the Bible, he made a lot of mistakes. He was considered the greatest king of Israel, but yet he made a lot of mistakes. But what was his, his key? His key was he always got back up. For instance, David committed murder and adultery just so that he can get a woman he wanted. And But after that, when God had to you know, confront him on it and make him make it right, so to speak, David entered, he entered into a focused mindset. And his life after that, when he repented and made, made it right, became focused. And, and because of that, he wrote the Psalms that he wrote that were powerful and talk about his ordeal. So, failure can ignite things in you. But also, failure does one other thing. Failure can become a great opportunity. There are defeats more triumphant than victories, says Michael Diamantine. There are defeats more triumphant than victories. Think about that. Sometimes you have to lose to break through. Sometimes you have to fall to get up. You have to fail to go forward. And sometimes the most powerful thing that can ever happen to you is failure. And I know that's hard to receive for some of us, especially for me when I was younger. To me, failure was the absolute conclusion of my life. It was the end. And whenever I failed, it was the end of the world. And I wasn't going to make it. And I'm a loser. And God taught me through the years that failure is just another tool in God's toolbox that he uses to teach us something so that we can grow. By falling down, you can fall into something. That's the point. So think about a painful failure in your life. Not as that was the end, but maybe that was the best thing that could have happened to you because you fell into something else that was better than before. And some people that I've talked to say, I would never trade the experience, the pain that I had because of what I gained through it because of the people that I met, because of people that I now love that came into my life, that I could never imagine trading that for everything I went through. And we find that in in the Bible, it speaks of those who trust God with their failed experiences as being gold purchased in the fire. In other words, when you buy God's truth, when you do it God's way, it's like gold purchased in the fire. It's like the best kind of gold, the best kind of revelation, the best kind of lesson. But also, failure does another thing. Failure cures you of what we call idealism. And if you don't know what idealism, it's basically when someone looks at life, all of life, through rose-colored glasses. When we talk about getting up from failure, we don't mean you deny your pain and deny the struggle and deny the tragic circumstance. You have to face those things if you want to get through. We're talking about seeing that thing, but still getting up and saying, I'm going to make it. But when someone is idealistic, they never anticipate failure. They see all of life as working out perfectly. Life should look like this, or it should be like this. I remember when I was in college, we always had friends, whether male or female, that some of them had a list of the the person they want to meet someday. And they say, you know, they have to have these 25 things on the list, or I'm not going to marry them. And uh, when you're young, you don't think that that's ridiculous, but it really was idealistic because no human being 
can possibly be that way. So that's idealism. So for some, maybe it's the perfect marriage with a white picket fence. For others, maybe it's the perfect job, career, something that pays great money with little effort. There was a guy named Joseph in the Bible who he had had these dreams of greatness, and he made the mistake of sharing those dreams with his big brothers. And when he had his dreams, he shared them with his brothers, thinking that it would actually happen the way he saw it. Oh, but it didn't. Everything was the opposite of what happened. He still got to the goal in the end of the dream as he saw it, but he went through hell and high water to get there because when God does something in our lives, he always disillusions us so that we can see things the right way. So he had to walk through hell in the hallway and experience that to get to the other side. So we also look at this idea that that he that Joseph didn't just get that blessing, but he had to face betrayal from his brothers. They threw him into a pit. They threw him into a pit and sold him into slavery. He was accused falsely of rape by his master's wife. He was separated from his family, imprisoned. And then, after all these things, then it came true. So having failure as your best asset means being disillusioned in a way that will not sour your heart. That's the key. I've known far too many people in life that I've counseled or spent time with who had a a dark view of life because of what they went through. And they were bitter, they were cynical, Some of them were outright mean because of what they'd been through. And George Carlin once said, inside every cynical person, there is a disappointed idealist. And that just means that someone who wants to believe, but because they were hurt, no longer believes. This is not what we want to happen here. In fact, God never wants that for our lives. He wants us that when we go through difficult things, when we go through the furnace of affliction, when we go through loss and tragedy. He wants us not to become bitter, but He wants us to grow through it and become the people He's designing to be. Some of the most sweetest people I've ever known are people that have been through more than they can remember, more than you and I can ever even endure. And yet they have a sweet spirit about them. And I say, I want that in my life. To many, when they become disillusioned because of failure, they turn into, into life's greatest critics and never move on from their disappointment and their lives remain stuck in that place and that's why their their comments are so cutting and bitter so a failure doesn't just disillusion you from idealism but failure does one more thing it helps you establish your identity in other words failure helps you decide who you are going to become and who you are not going to become. When you fail, you realize that you have an option. Is this who I'm going to be? Am I just going to tuck tail and run home and hide and just survive the rest of my life? Or am I going to get up and do something about it? An alcoholic once confessed, I knew it was the last drink I would ever take because that was not the person I was going to be. He used that failure to reboot his identity of what it would become. And maybe you've been in bondage in your life with a bad habit. It could be a drug habit or something that is life-controlling 
or a sin that you know is wrong. You will be a failure if you don't deal with it, if you don't face it and move on. But if you decide this is not the person I want to become, I want to become who God says I am, then you can let that failure establish a new identity of purity and of hope in your life. So a failure can help you establish identity. But we find one more thing before we conclude our time together, and that is this. <clears throat> failure can give you a foundation <clears throat> to build on. Instead of viewing failure as destruction, see it as a foundation of what God will do in your life. My failure can become my greatest God-given victory if I give it to God. That's the point. My imperfections, somebody once said, and my failures are as much a blessing from God as my successes, my talents, and everything else I lay at His feet. And this is why we cannot define ourselves by failure, but we must see failure through the right lenses. That if you give it to God, if you trust Him, He'll get you through. God uses, the Bible says, foolish things, broken things, to confound the wise. In other words, to excel above those who assume that they are great and important. God uses broken and foolish things to confound them. In the scriptures, Nehemiah was a great leader who rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem with burned stones. And while he was building them, his critics were sitting on the wall yelling at him saying, you're a failure, you're a failure, That's, that, that wall is going to fall. And, but yet he, he persevered and became a great man for it. And so failure was the foundation that Nehemiah chose to rebuild the wall. And those, those charred stones say something in a symbolic way of our lives. And we find people in the Bible like Peter, who was a filthy, foul-mouthed fisherman, who Jesus said, hey, come follow me, come hang with me. And he even denied Christ three times, and he was impetuous. Uh, Jesus said, I have to you know, go die. And Peter shook him and says, you're not going to die. And he was sentimental. And, and, uh, but God used that for his glory because Peter became the rock, right, in the Bible. And it's amazing how God, he doesn't look like where I am. He looks at where I must be, where I can be if I trust him. There was a man by the name of John Newton. And he was a famous a famous sinner, if you want to call him that way, someone who just foul mouth and awful and just hated everything. And he was a slave trader. And he became a deckhand on a ship and found on board this, uh, this devotional. It's a, like a book about following God by Thomas Kempis. It's called An Imitation of Christ. And that book sowed seeds in his life. When a ship nearly crashed in a storm, he gave his life to Christ, but later he was promoted to captain of a slave ship. So he was a slaver. And he commanded a slave vessel, and doing that seems like a strange place to find a new Christian. But just because I'm failing doesn't mean that I'm a failure, because God has so much patience with us, and he was, he was working on his life. But John Newton began to see the inhumanity of the slave trade. He got married, and he left the sea for good. Because God uses imperfect people, people who are failures. It took John Newton almost 40 years to begin to denounce slavery because it was a process in his life. 
And in the end of his life, at the end of his life, he said, my memory is nearly gone, but I remember two things, that I am a great sinner and that Christ is a great Savior. And with that, he wrote Amazing Grace. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and recommend it to a friend.